Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Um, we're going to go through John 13 this morning, uh, but just before we get into John 13, I thought you'd, I'd give you a really quick uh, recap on John 12. So who, when they're watching like Netflix or um, what's, what else is out there, Stan, Binge, Binge just has a bad name right there, right? Like <laughs> you're already trapped by the time you click that streaming service on Binge, but um, I don't even know what's on Binge to be honest, so um, who knows, Kardashians or something like that. Um, so John, who, who, when they're watching one of those um, shows or streaming services, who uh, watches the recap before the show starts? Yeah, who, who skips it? I often skip it, if I'm being honest <laughs> this morning. Unless, I, unless it's a new season that's just come out and we're sort of coming back to it and it, it was like 12 months ago when it happened and you want to know kind of what was going on. Um, but I wanted to give you a recap this morning of John 12 because maybe you weren't in church last weekend, maybe you've never read John 12 before. So just like a 30 second recap of what happens. So basically in John 12, um, we find Jesus spending time with Mary, Martha and Lazarus at their house. Um, And Jesus actually has his feet washed by Mary with an expensive bottle of perfume. So this crazy moment, this crazy act of worship happens. Um, Jesus comes into the town of Bethany um, for what's called the feast of the Passover. Um, He comes in and it gets described as a triumphant entry because there's so many people coming into town um, for this feast of the Passover, sorry, feast of the Passover at that time. And um, it's this triumphant entry, except for the fact that um, he's actually riding in on a donkey, right? So I'll give you a little bit of context later on in this message about what that means. But um, John 12, a fair bit happens. Um, And so even at the end of John 12, we find Jesus making a statement about how he has actually come to save the world. So without that statement, I think our lives right now look a little bit different, Um, but he makes a statement at the end of John 12 about how he has actually come to save the world, which is you and me. So without that statement that he makes there and without all that, um, you know, where we are right now in in church, it probably doesn't happen or it looks very, very different. And so this morning, um, as Pastor Dan said, we're going to find ourselves uh, in John 13. So Nicole at the back, um, she's going to flick those scriptures up for me. Um, and now this moment in um, history is uh, known as the Last Supper. So who's heard of the Last Supper before? The Last Supper. So we're going to find ourselves in John 13 verses 1 and we're going to read through to about verses 15. So we have a little um, joke in youth when we, um, it was not really a joke, I actually love it. It's far better than a joke. But uh, when we open up the Word of God, we do this. Because uh, we love the Word of God. So I don't know, maybe you're feeling a bit excited this morning and you want to let out <laughs> a little. I mean, you can, you can do that. We're in church. We, we didn't come here to be bored. We came here to have fun. So let's do it. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and he took a towel and he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? This is a crazy moment right here. Like Simon doesn't know what to do. He's so confused at what's happening. It's so contrary to what he expected to happen. Um, and he's, he's just trying to be respectful as well. He's like, Jesus, what are you doing washing my feet? And so Jesus answered him and he said, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. I don't know about you, has there ever been a time where you didn't really understand what God was doing in a situation, um, but then only years to come down the track, it started to make sense? Um, this is a bit like this moment here. That if we put ourselves in the disciples' shoes, this would be blowing your mind right now. And they don't fully understand it, but you know we get the opportunity to understand it many, many years later. Now, Peter says to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but he's completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. We'll see in a second he's referring to someone in that room. But he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. I'm going to read four more verses and then we'll get into it. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Beautiful picture there. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So my message this morning is titled, Why the King Became a Servant. Why the King Became a Servant. So um, my wife and I, we have a one and a half year old border collie um, at home and um, his name is Banjo and I wanted to show you a couple of photos of him just really quickly this morning. We can just have an, have an awe moment here. Uh, next, next slide. Oh, look at that. Look at those beautiful eyes. Does anyone here have a, a dog or a border collie even? They're just the best companions. Uh, this is him when Denise isn't in the front seat. Um, he thinks that he's allowed to sit in the front seat. Uh, so often, if I leave him in the car when I'm going to get a coffee or something and I jump out of the car um, and I come back, uh, he's in the front seat just watching me, waiting. Uh, this is him at the front door um, after uh, he ran outside and uh, realised that the door was now shut and he couldn't get back in. So that's him being humbled uh, right there. Thanks, Nicole. Um, now, we, we obviously, having a dog, um, we've house trained him so that he doesn't wee inside, right? Uh, he doesn't poo inside um, because that's disgusting and um, no one wants to clean that up, if, if we're being honest this morning. Um, but, see, about a few months ago, Denise and I, we were sitting on the couch 
and um, we must have been watching a movie or something, and then I didn't hear this because, uh, if you don't know, I'm sort of partial, um, partially deaf, um, so I was actually laughing when Dan said he's not special. Um, I'm technically can be on the NDIS, so I mean, um, Dan was partially lying here, but... Um, And so we're, um, we're sitting on the couch, and um, like I said, I didn't hear it, but Denise hears like a little trickling sound, like, you know, like a, often associated with like a running of water, like a nice little waterfall or something like that. And um, it wasn't a nice little waterfall. We don't have any water features in our house. Um, but um, <laughs> it was actually our dog, Banjo, creating his own water feature <laughs> on, um, on one of the plants in our house and um, and so from that moment like I said we had him house trained I promise you I promise you I'm a good dog owner I promise you we had him house trained up until that moment and then for some reason in between now and that moment when the little waterfall happened um, he all of a sudden isn't as house trained as he used to as he used to be and so I often um, he doesn't do it often but he might do it, you know, once every now and again. Um, and I find myself, because who knows about a dog? If you don't get rid of a smell, um, <laughs> you're done. That's it. Game over, right? So I often find myself, I get out the disinfectant, I get out the, um, the scrubber, and um, we have tiles across the most part of our house. And so I often find myself, like, on my hands and my knees, just, like, scrubbing, getting dog weed, <laughs> out of the grout of the tiles, right? And it's disgusting, let me tell you that. It just, in order to get out of the grout, you have to sort of like spread it a little bit. Like, oh, it's disgusting. It's not good, not at all. Um, and so I find myself in this moment scrubbing <laughs> dog wee out of the grout to try and get rid of it. And um, I'm kind of being a servant when I'm meant to be his master, right? And um, we find ourselves here in this story in John 13, and here is Jesus on his hands and his knees washing the disciples' feet. You know, Jesus, who's meant to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Messiah, but he finds himself, he puts himself in this spot of servant. You know, what a beautiful picture for us here today. The Messiah, the Saviour, of the world, cleaning the disciples' disgusting, dirty, grubby feet. You see, at this point in time, washing the feet was a, was a common thing. Um, people's feet were, were disgusting. Now, look, feet are disgusting in general, <laughs> but back in this time especially, um, feet were extra disgusting because there were no Nike Air Forces, there were no Air Jordans, there were no Blundstones or leather boots to cover up your feet. Basically, back in Jesus' time, it was um, sandals. Now we find ourselves uh, in most of the Bible based in the Middle Eastern desert. Now, if you mix sandals, <laughs> sweaty feet <laughs> with the Middle Eastern desert, you're gonna get some grubby feet, right? You're gonna get some pretty disgusting feet. And um, so here we are and sandals are the footwear of choice and so 
you know, this is what sort of happens at this time. So if you would go to someone's house, the servants would actually wash um, the guest's feet. It was just like customary at the time if you went into a Jewish or a Roman house, um, your feet would be washed. And here in Australia, we take our shoes off at the front door and that's kind of it. But back in this time, you literally would get your feet washed. In verses four and five, it says this. It says that he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So John, the author of this book, um, if you haven't figured out, the book of John was, was written by John. Um, John is being quite visually descriptive for a reason here. It's not an accident. He's not mentioning these things just because it, it sounds good and he's, he's just trying to draw a picture, but he's trying to actually show us what Jesus was doing in this moment. So the, the Bible says in verse four and five that Jesus, he lays aside his outer garments. He, he humbles himself down in a moment. So in other words, he's not, he's not really being God here right now. He, he's more being a man. And when I say that, what I mean is that this is not a preaching moment. He's not in front of a crowd of thousands of people and, and preaching. He's actually, it's just him and his 12 disciples. It's quite an intimate sort of moment here at dinner. And he's actually humbling himself down from master to servant. It's quite a, it's an insane picture if we, we stop here and think about it for a moment. Because John says that he took the towel and he wrapped it around his waist. So in other words, he was literally making himself look like what a servant looked like. So at that time, a servant would have the towel wrapped around their waist and they would take that towel off their, their waist and someone would sit down and they would wash their feet. And then, and then after they washed the feet, they would actually wipe it dry because who knows, if you don't wipe your feet after they've been washed, then they're just gonna get dirty again, right? So the servants would actually do this and what a beautiful picture. The King of Kings, looks like a servant. It's, it blows my mind. It's incredible. He gets down on his knees and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And you know, the, the religious leaders of this time, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, they would scoff at him every time he did something like this because what they thought was going to happen was there would be this big king come riding into town on a, on a stallion in, in a, a gold robe and everyone will be bowing down to him and, and, and all this stuff. But Jesus would flip the script so much. He, what he would do would be so contrasting to what they thought was going to happen that they would just dismiss him. They would scoff at him. They would go, how, how can you be a king when you're, you're being so lowly and doing something that a servant would do? That they didn't understand because their understanding of God was so different. And this passage is actually such an important moment, such an important theology lesson for us because without moments like this, then we don't know what God truly looks like. But we know that God actually sent His Son to be like God's image, to actually show us what God is like. So it's through stories like this where we actually get to know what He's like. Now, what's interesting is that at the start of John 12, the passage before John 13, Jesus has his feet washed in an act of worship by Mary. But then at the start of John 13, Jesus is having his feet washed. Oh, sorry, Jesus is, is washing the disciples' feet. So one moment, 
Mary's worshipping Jesus. And in the other moment, Jesus is worshipping God by washing the disciples' feet. So this morning, I wanted to give you three reasons. Everyone say three reasons. Why the king became a servant. I still haven't figured out an appropriate time to take a drink in a preaching message. I don't know, maybe someone can tell me later, but I'm like, it's, I just feel like it's always awkward. Everyone's just standing there looking at you as you sip your drink. So we're just going to embrace it. We're just going to make it awkward. So three reasons why the king became a servant. Number one, if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. Number one, he was showing us that he didn't consider himself to be greater than his disciples. He was showing us that he didn't consider himself to be greater than his disciples. Now, this is a funny statement because of course he's greater than his disciples. He's Jesus, he's the Messiah, he's King of Kings, Lord of Lords, he's Alpha and Omega, he's, it's Jesus right here. So of course he is greater. He's our Saviour. Without him, you and I, were just a lost, broken rat. But what he is showing us in this moment is that he doesn't consider himself to be greater. It's a moment of humility here that Jesus is is showing us. And so, like I said, the religious leaders of the day, they thought that the Messiah would ride in and and be in a golden robe and and do all these um, certain things that fitted in with the way they saw things and the way that their religion was, um, because that's the way they they treated their leaders at the time. However, like I mentioned at the start, um, this morning, Jesus' entry into Bethany in John 12 could not be more different. He literally rode in on a donkey. Um, I don't know if you know what a synonym of the word donkey is. You can figure that one out, but it's not a great word. A donkey is not a great animal. It's not an expensive animal. I mean, maybe it is today. I don't know. I haven't really looked into how much a donkey costs today. I don't really plan to have a donkey in my backyard in Eldersley. Barely enough room for my um, border collie to run around, let alone a donkey, but anyway. In John 13, we find him washing the disciples' feet, literally putting himself into the shoes of of, of a servant. He was showing us that he was fully man and also fully God. And what a stunning picture of grace. So number one, he was showing us that he didn't consider himself to be greater than his disciples. Number two, it was symbolic of salvation and sanctification. It was symbolic of salvation and sanctification. In verse 8, it says that Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So this right here is a salvation and sanctification lesson for us. Jesus is he's being symbolic. Jesus never says anything by accident. <laughs> he's always being symbolic. He's always... Um, drawing reference to something and right here is being symbolic that in order for us to go through salvation, we must be washed by Him. And what that means is that we need to have that humbling moment that we're not good enough and that we need Him. But then we also need to go through that sanctification moment, which is because I'm not good enough, then I need to follow Jesus and I need to put aside the ways of Nick and I need to put them aside and, and put Jesus into that place. And so if we're all honest here this morning, um, without Jesus, we are the king of our lives. Without Jesus, we are the king of our lives. You know, I, I laugh at um, 
And I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but sometimes when, when people say that, you know, and I totally understand their thought process here about God not existing, it's like, well, who's God then? <laughs> there's got to be God, there's got to be a king somewhere in your life. And if it's not a, a figure greater than you, then it, it's yourself, right? Like, where else does it fit in? And so, without Jesus, we are the king of our lives. But with Jesus, our lives become a servant to him. Without Jesus, we are the king of our lives, but with Jesus, our lives become a servant to him. We must allow ourselves to be transformed from king to servant, just like Jesus does here in this moment. You know, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, he's literally making himself a servant in this moment to show us what we need to do to our own lives. We need to, you know, take off Nick, we need to take off our own selfish desires and actually pick up the cross and follow him. And we must do this daily. I don't know about you, but I've got to do this every day. <laughs> if I don't do it every day, then I'm, I'm not the best person in the world. Just ask my wife. I've got to do this daily. And if I do, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure most of us can agree here that every day we need to, to go through that moment where we actually allow Jesus to wash us, to, to wash our feet, just like he's doing right here, right now. I'll get Hendo to come back on the keys as we get towards the, the end of this message this morning. So number one, he was showing us that he didn't consider himself to be greater than his disciples. Number two, it was symbolic of salvation and sanctification. And number three, it was to give us an example of how to treat others to give us an example of how to treat others. In verse 14, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. What a beautiful picture of, of what we're called to be as Christians, of the way that we're meant to live. In other words here, Jesus is saying, the same way that I am ministering to you, is the same way that I want you to minister to other people. It's, it's pretty straightforward. He's not saying, look, I'm Jesus and I do things this way. Here's my five steps on how, how to be Jesus. And then, but I'm gonna give you a, a different five steps. No, no, Jesus says in this moment where He is, is washing the disciples' feet, in this moment where the King becomes a servant, He's saying to us the same way that I am ministering to you right here, right now, is the same way that I want you to minister to others. I don't know if that ticks at anyone's ego here this morning. It ticks at mine. It definitely gets at mine because Jesus, the King, is becoming a servant. In verses 34 to 35, at the end of the passage, Jesus says this. He, he sums up this whole message and I love it so much. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. A mark of your discipleship is not the things that you own or the words that you can even recite. It's if you have love for one another if you have love for one another. Are we patient? 
sometimes? Are we loving sometimes? Are we kind? Are we generous? Are we humble? All these things are a mark of our discipleship. They're all a mark of a change taking place on the inside of my heart. And um, I remember back when I was probably about 14, I think I was in year nine at the time, I remember reading um, John 3.30 for the very first time. And that verse says that um, He must become greater and I must become less. And I remember ever since that moment, it's just been food for my soul. That's everything I do, it's not about me. It's not about building the Nick Diamonds empire. It's not about that. It's about glorifying God through everything that you do, through everything that you do. And that's been revelation to me. And I pray this morning that it will be revelation. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.